The quote of the day says, the only thing more exhausting than having a mental illness is pretending like you don't. Welcome to I Testify Conversation Station. Available on Spotify, Apple, Google, podcast platforms. Today's topic is mental health. The Ontario chapter of the Canadian Mental Health Association Statistics says currently more than 6.7 million people are living with a mental health condition. Approximately 28% of those people aged 20 to 29 experience mental illness in a given year. The suicide accounts for 24% of all deaths among 15 to 24 year olds and 16% among 25 to 44 year olds. The mortality rate due to suicide among men is four times greater than women. And so today we're discussing mental health with a mental health advocate who will share his mental health journey and how you and I can overcome a story of inspiration and encouragement. And so it's your girl Mel Mel and welcome to I Testify Conversation Station. And so we'd like our special guest to introduce himself. Tell us what is your name. Tell us about, you know, what you do, who you are, and why you are a mental health advocate. So firstly, thank you, uh, Mel, for having me on and the production team and everyone else involved. It's really cool to be part of this. So yeah, my name is Matthew Ravita, and uh, my nine to five is I actually work for the Bank of Montreal in the finance realm. But with that... I've been a mental health advocate ever since my own battle with depression uh, back in 2008, so about 12 years ago. Uh, my brother suddenly passed away when I was uh, 18 at a tragic death. And it was during this time where, you know, going into high school at that time, grade nine actually, going through all these different types of emotions, I really didn't know how to handle it. And at that time, it was what was being told as like a, you know, a young boy and a male is, you know, being manly about things and kind of not showing emotion and just, you know, be the strong one, help your parents get through it. They just lost a child, which are all things I kind of just accepted right. because, yeah, like my parents just lost a, a child, right? Like their mm-hmm. firstborn child. So it's, I just wanted to be a strong rock for them. And that's how I've always been. But it was like months kind of down the line. Um, around December, which is actually was his first birthday and of course first Christmas without him, I just had a really severe battle of just darkness and didn't know what I was feeling. And my depression at this time was, now that I know that it's depression, was coming into its own and I didn't know how to articulate these feelings. My parents just lost a child and how was I supposed to tell them that I was struggling, that their second child was struggling and thinking of things like actually taking my own life? And I'll never forget uh, a few days uh, around Christmas time, I actually attempted to take my own life uh, by going to my to my room and actually uh, just going through with this image in my head of like I couldn't deal with life anymore. I felt like my big brother, my inspiration, someone who was so close to me. How was I supposed to go on with life? You know, I didn't have a big brother to you know show me how to play sports or you know how to p- pass a, a class in grade nine, things like that. So right. that battle was just so severe for me internally that I didn't know what to do. I felt that taking my own life at that time was actually what was the best answer. And those ripple effects and going to hospital and kind of like uh, kind of the after effects of actually seeing the outcry of support 
kind of led me to the advocacy role that, you know, we can kind of get in a bit further, you know, uh, in discussion with that. Wow. What yeah. a story. And I mean, a lot of people share the same sentiments, even the same journey where, you know, there's a something that they go through. I mean, I don't know much about mental health, but and this is why you're here today to kind of help us be educated on it. You know, there are communities like the black community where the, there's a stigma. Uh, there's a lack of education, I would like to say, about such things. But the one thing hearing different stories that, you know, I can see the simil similarities is they experience something that causes them to crash emotionally, yeah. whether it's a death or whether it's abuse of, or a trauma of some sort. Um, and so we want to thank you for taking time out to educate and help young adults. You know, we just shared statistics and we see 28 percent. I know. When you hear that out loud, you really think like one fourth of all those deaths are coming from that. Like it's just, it's so surreal because I was there, like 14-year-old kid, right? And you're like, that's wow. what I'm thinking of yeah. is suicide. Like how can we change that mindset so our generations and the generations coming yes. up, exactly. that's not their first view or that's not their first thought is, hey, I need to take my own life. Wow. So what do you think are some of the reasons why it might be, you know, there might be stigmas against mental health? Like what do you think is, what what is it? Yeah. For me, like personally, when I look back on a lot of it could be education aspect, whether right. it's, you know, our parents coming up, it, mental health wasn't really, it was really a taboo subject. There really wasn't mm -hmm. mental health resources at the time. And that was 12 years ago where I had my first battle with this. And I feel that like we've come night and day since, yes, since sure. then in mental health yes. and, and being open about talking about your feelings and your struggles. So that could be one aspect, especially because our parents just aren't familiar with it. You know, I remember doing these different events that I've been going through by advocating for mental health and I'm, I'm, and I'm talking to executives within finance world saying that they'd still deter uh, any emotional issues from their kids to their wife. And to wow. me, that's like, you know, you're a father and it's in 2020, 2019 at the time when I had this event and you're still afraid to talk to your kids about, you know, emotional issues that they're having which is, you know, a, a gap that we still need to bridge. And we know, you know, nature versus nurture arguments. If I'm growing up and I'm seeing this, you're essentially telling me that it's not okay to talk about my feelings. I have to go to mom to talk about my feelings. So that's one aspect. You know, we also have social media plays a huge, mm, big, huge, and we all, yeah. we can all attest to that. Oh dear. <laughs> how social media and the pressures that you get from there and you're comparing yourself to others yeah. and just cyberbullying that was never a thing 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. And all those factors play into what's going on with, you know, the young generation and millennials specifically. The one thing I will give us is that we've actually somewhat changed the mindset of what mental health is and because we've been more open about it. Exactly. Right. We're, yes. we're openly discussing mm -hmm. this and it helps destigmatize mental health and is hearing these stories that people are going through. It's bringing it up say for me personally it's talking to my parents my grandparents who are you know came right over here from italy back in the 30s they had no idea what mental health was back then it was oh you're, you're not feeling good today okay just get up and go to work that's all it was right get, <laughs> get on the farm yeah, you know go go, okay. go to work go to the factory you're good you're good to go that was it right so yeah. when they're hearing me struggling they're like what what's what's could go on what's wrong with your life that this is happening so that could be some of the factors that could be you know affecting millennials right now yeah, and all these stigmas like put a barrier in terms of even trying to find treatment and diagnosis for it, you know? And you mentioned a good point there where like the generation before us didn't, you know, they overlooked those things like, you know, just go or you get a spanking, you know, get your mind yep. right, you know, you, you acting up. Yeah, you know what it was. 
And it, it's nice to have platforms where we can have such real conversations and for people to share their stories. Some people don't even know that they have a mental health condition. And that's something that we're going to kind of get into today is how do you know you are suffering with a mental illness? What are some triggers? What are some signs? Yep. You know, what, what, at least for you, yep. you know. So for me, it was definitely uh, just being more lethargic, uh, being more sad and for, and for reasons I could not explain. Uh, things that really brought me joy, like when I was in high school, a lot of that was basketball or seeing my friends and just simply going outside, playing sports on the street, things like that. Like they weren't bringing me joy. It was right. that my mom and dad were like, hey, Matt, like I know you're going through some stuff, but you need to get outside. And it's like those little cues that were happening, I was able to pick up on and just realize that, well, like, okay, something's wrong with me, but I still didn't want to talk about it. I wasn't comfortable talking about it. But stuff like that. And also even too from the other side of it is if you're a friend or a family member, if, if you're recognizing that your friends and your family, small anomalies are different, right? That they aren't texting you back fa as fast what they used to be. And unfortunately mm -hmm. in 2020, most of us are texting, right? So <laughs> yes, we pick yes. up on how our friends and our family exactly. are, right? Or they're not coming over as, as, as often as they used to. And they're being, you know, they're not being receptive to asking how they're doing. Because we all know it's, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. No, it's like, how are you really doing? And that's such a cliche mm -hmm. statement that we're seeing nowadays, but it's really getting someone to see that you're actually struggling is that you have to pick up on those little cues because internally we're crying for help and mm -hmm. we want, yes. we want someone to recognize that I'm suffering, but sometimes I don't have the courage to show that vulnerability mm -hmm. that I actually am suffering. So if you ask those extra questions, things like that, maybe that could be that one day where that person feels like opening up to you. And that's true. A lot of people don't, cause you know, I've heard stories where people like, you know, commit suicide. And the biggest question is, why didn't you tell us? Yeah. Even like the people closest to them, you know, wife or whatever it is, children, why didn't you tell us? And like you're saying, it's hard. Mm -hmm. You're crying for help, but you don't know how to. I remember texting a friend a few weeks ago and I said, you know, how are you doing? And he was like, actually, I'm doing okay. Like things have been good this week. And I'm like, the word actually made me think this guy was suffering. And I wasn't able to see. And like you're saying, so... We have to be more aware of, especially in this time, with the rise of mental illness, we have to be aware and be conscious of, like you said, a change in consistency, maybe the texting, maybe the coming out and talking to friends, because we're so wrapped up in ourselves, like, I'm good, I'm going through this, I don't really care, but yep. take the time out, like Matt said, to really see the changes and that can tr mean like a, a trigger or some type of sign that somebody's going through something. And it's also like acknowledging that it's okay to not be okay. Mm. And just knowing that we're all going to go through bad days, right? Because uh, on the surface, and we might be showing that we're doing fine, everything's okay, and we have that one bad day. Well, someone for like me who's been through the, the mental health ways and has its highs and has its lows, I've been able to create mechanisms and tools that help me get on or, or move through those bad days right but not everyone might have that and it's to understand that it's okay like i said to not be okay and that these bad days exist like it's not going to be roses and butterflies 24 yes, 7 exactly and we whether it's your bad day my bad day it's a unique thing but we're still going to have those bad days so it's how can we come together to acknowledge and destigmatize that it's okay to talk about those bad days like why are we so uh, able and why are we so fine to talk about I got a promotion or you know yeah. I have a new mm. significant other right. or I just got this new you know this new PlayStation 5 that's going on right now right <laughs> so stuff like that but that's yeah. okay to do and we have no problem but soon as we start talking about our bad days or those ideas creep up we are too hesitant to do it and that's what we still need to work on because no one's perfect right we're all going to go through these things 
I think we need to find the balance between, you know, it's true. If you met, if you meditate or focus too much on the bad, you end up living the bad. But at the same time, it's okay to feel. And I think the stigma with, you know, the generations prior to us not really understanding this whole mental health thing, they kind of put us into a pattern of, you know, when bad things or when bad feelings come, ignore them. We're not saying we're going to focus on them. What we're saying is let me accept it. Let me cry if I want to cry. Let me feel sad if I want to sad. You will feel, you know, that's part of the human nature is we must feel. But feeling shouldn't dictate or determine our actions and what we're not or going to do or do. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's like sadness and crying are our emotions yeah so we can't just we can't just being say grade three grade four learning what happy <laughs> sad excitement is yes. and just say okay when i'm sad i shouldn't talk about that i should brush that under exactly. under the rug and just continue off my day but when i'm happy i get a gold star right like mm. as long as we're reinforcing that positivity is the only thing that we should be striving mm. for when there's going to be negativity that comes up in our life and it's how do we deal with that and how do we come together so that when this negativity does come up in our lives that I'm able to put myself in a position that I can still get through that day and not let it ruin my day. Because what mental health is, when you have one bad day and you let it take over, then it becomes two days, three days, a week, a month, two months of just darkness and you just don't know what to do and trying to dig out dig yourself out of a month or two of darkness versus one or two days is is a vast difference so tell us about like what does a bad day look like to you and what are the mechanisms and you know things that you do to kind of keep yourself going yeah when so you're when you're battling with mental. it's funny you said that because i actually posted like an instagram video like a week ago yeah. like, telling people that hey i just had a bad day I felt like calling my boss, who's very supportive. I'm lucky to be an organization that actually is very supportive of my mental health and my advocacy work that I do inside the uh, inside BMO and outside of BMO. But I was having a terrible day and I couldn't tell you, Mel, why. And that's honestly part of the problem with mental health. Sometimes you don't know why you're having these issues or what's happening. Yeah. And I just felt like calling my boss, that's it. I'm done for the day. Let me just, you know, cool off and that's it. But then... What I've learned is for me, it's go outside, go for a walk five, 10 minutes or go for or go take a warm shower for five, 10 minutes. I just let my head clear. I get away from what I'm doing. And that's just helpful for me because I've been able to get to that place where I can do little subtle things like that that help change my mindset. And I didn't want depression to win. I haven't had a bad day of that in a while. And again, I couldn't tell you why, but mm-hmm. I didn't want depression to win. And that's wow. probably the competitive side of me <laughs> from playing sports and stuff. But I didn't want it to win because I know it wants to take over and it wants to have that upper hand over me. And I didn't want it to. So mm-hmm. that was what happens to me in my bad days that come up. And I can do little things like that. But I recognize that not everyone is at that position in life yet. Right. So it's whether you take stuff from me or, you know, it's people listening to your podcast, listen to you or people listening to what we do for our podcast is that hearing these different tools and mechanisms, maybe that can work for you. Maybe it doesn't. But if you attempt it and you find out that maybe it's a strategy that does work for you, then that's something that can help with you moving forward. Uh, you said something there that stuck out. I didn't want depression to win. Yep. People don't realize that mental health is like, it's a battle of the mind. It's like one side is pulling, the other side is pulling. And you are, you determine who wins yep. by, I guess, like you said, the things that you you do. So let's talk about, you know, what happens in the mind? Like, how do you bring your mind back? What things do you do to bring the mind back? Because I think that's what it is. Like, it's a battle of the mind, you know. It's like good and evil pulling, you know. Yep. What do you do in that moment when it seems like, you know, that, depression that anxiety is almost taking over 
Like, do you really, you said you take walks? So one definitely is like, is like taking walks, taking those warm showers. For me, it was always like working out, kind of, kind of releasing that. And because I just love talking, it's literally becoming reaching out to people and just saying, this is how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. But to keep that in perspective in mind is that I've owned what I am. And mm-hmm. sometimes that can be good and a bad thing, but people see it as like me as a mental health advocate. You know, this is like, that's who Matt is, right? right? But in that, I have no fear of judgment anymore. Mm-hmm. I am confident in who I am, what I have to offer. And it might be an extreme view in the sense that if you like me, you'll like me for who I am. If you don't like me, you won't like me for who I am. Mm. And I'm just not going to change my my perspective towards life on what I'm doing because of someone, someone might else. bear judgment, right? We're, and when we do, like we talked about social media, we live in that generation where <sighs> we try to create this perfect at- atmosphere and this perfect bubble of ourselves. And then if I don't live up to that, then I'm, I'm scared someone's going to judge me and that someone's not going to like me for who I am, right? So... I also acknowledge that I, I can get past that. So that's part of how I'm able to just, hey, so-and-so, I'm not feeling good today. Do you want to jump on a call? Like I, I can have that, you know, humanization of like, I'm okay to tell you, like vulnerability. If they don't respond, right. then, you know, I, co- I call someone else. I call my parents. I call, you know, my girlfriend right now who has been, you know, a, uh, she's uh, she's the best. She oh, definitely helps she's me. She's uh, rock. Yeah, she's the rock to get me through a lot of things, stuff like that. So it's being able to be vulnerable in your story and owning it. Wow. You said a lot there, but you said you have to pretty much accept who you are, your nature. And I think a lot of people are not in touch with that because of this gen- this whole thing of social media and trying to fit a, a specific narrative and trying to be in the in and wanting to be these famous vloggers and bloggers. You're trying to pretty much live somebody else's lifestyle or this yep. lifestyle that brings success, but it doesn't make you in touch with who you are, your weaknesses, your strengths. And I think that's really, really important. And part of the reason why people, a lot of people that I know suffer mental health is based on what people think about them. Not so much accepting who they are, but I am gaining weight because of, you know, I know someone who's suffering mental health because of weight gain, you know, and it's all based on what someone else thinks. They're not obese or anything. They just gain like 10, 15 pounds. I'm like, you look great. And they're like, no, I don't. Yep. You know, I'm not coming out. And it's like, it's a real thing. Like, I can't laugh. It's not, there's no judgment to it. It's yep. a real thing, you know. But that's because they have this idea that, you know, you got to be slim and fit. Like Kylie Jenner's, you know. Yep. Yep. And and that's really hard. And that also comes, like you said, that it comes with the, the confidence that you have in yourself because, there's two sides to everything in that sense. The example you brought up, like the Kylie Jenner thing, is that some people can look at that image and be deterred. And then, and like you said, oh, now they think I'm fat and I think negativity about myself. Mm. Then there's others who might be at a place where, okay, I mentally know that I can't get there because maybe there's plastic surgery, there's other things going on there that that's not might not be attainable, but I'm going to use that as motivation to get to what Matt or what Mel can get physically or mentally. I'm going to use that as motivation that I'm going to work on myself, right? So that is, again, it, it ta- like you said, the constant battle with yourself mentally is, have you been able, like you said, like you said, have you been able to accept who you are? Like, does Mel accept who Mel is? And does Matt accept who Matt is? And am I okay with that right now mm. moving forward? And is that going to alter my decisions, you know, the next five, 10 years, five, 10 days, if something comes up abruptly? So what do I do? Because we're talking a lot about the person suffering mental illness, but what do I do as the loved one or the friend of someone, somebody struggling with mental illness? Um, 
when they have these thoughts, when they express to you that I don't feel like I look good or I, you know, or people don't like me. What do I say? Like, is there something I can say? Like, what did you want to hear? Because I was speaking to a friend and he said to me, he was going through a divorce at the time or it was after the divorce. And he said, you know, when I was going through it, there would be days where I look at my phone and I just wish one of my friends could just say, how are you doing? And he said, none of you showed up. That's He's tough. like, if you had just been like, how are you? I would have been like, I'm good. And I would have gone through it a little bit more, you know, at ease and at peace with the situation. But none of you did that. It's it's actually like I'm, I'm, I'm smirking because that topic that you brought is something I've always wanted to actually bring my girlfriend onto our podcast to ask her perspective. I feel it because she would fire away and be like, Matt, you're the most difficult person to deal with <laughs> when you're having a breakdown or you're having a bad day. But it's that perspective of a loved one that they will notice those small tendencies that changes, right? So that could be a bit different than a friend because say, for instance, like right now, like, you know, your, your yeah. girlfriend or your significant other, your, your, your fiance or your husband or wife, if you're married to them, you can see those subtle differences. If yeah. it's a friend and you're trying, yeah, and you're trying to reach out to a friend, the hardest thing is that is, like I said, trying to notice those differences. But if someone is reaching out to you and is willing to be vulnerable and is willing to tell you their story, the best way is you kind of unfortunately need to know who that friend is. So how can they take like tough love, soft love? Do they want mm. questions to be asked? Mm. Is be a support, be an ally to them. So it's really, the answer to that, I guess, it really depends on who the person you're talking to. Yeah. But just be like, okay, it's okay to feel like that. We're all going through certain things in our life. Now, can you tell me more about why you're feeling like this or how you're feeling like this? Mm. When did this start? You know, what what brings you some type of happiness? And if at that time, they're mostly going to say nothing, right? Yes. Then it's like, okay, hey, where are you right now? Oh, I'm at home. Okay, can I come pick you up? Let's go on and go for a walk. Want to grab a coffee? Want to grab a want to grab any any type of beverage? Want to grab something to eat? It's things like that where it's just showing engagement because, like like you said. You allude to, I just wanted my friends to say, hey, how are you doing? That's and like what we were talking about earlier is that we are all who are suffering are crying for help internally, but we just want that one friend, that one family to be like, hey, are you feeling okay? And be, that could be it where like they just pour their heart out after that. So it's really just the onus is on us to try and if someone does do that, take that for a grain of salt, applaud them for being able to have the strength and courage to come out and kind of share that they're going through some type of struggle. Thank you. That really, I think that would really help a lot of people. It's helping me because yeah. you just don't know how to approach. You know, I always be like, God, give me the wisdom to know how to approach different people. Because like you said, sometimes you do get shut down. And the next thing you know, like someone committed suicide and it's like, I was trying though. Yeah. Like, it's not like I wasn't trying, you know, and they're there like, you know, so it's hard. It's hard for both sides, but education is key. And this is what's going to help us yep. to do so. Now let's talk a little more about, or let's talk about bullying. That's a, that's another thing. We always think of bullying as, you know, something that maybe 13, 12-year-olds suffer with. But a lot more adults suffer with bullying yep. than children do. And that's probably one of the biggest causes for mental health. Bullying comes in different forms, you know, envy and competition. Then you get other people to isolate someone or, you know, just things like of that nature. You know, we're more manipulative yep. of, you know, the bullying tactics when you're older. But... What, again, with for the family member, for the friend, what do I do or what can I do to help you, you know, or be there for you in some type of way when you are feeling those things? Yeah. So and it's it's unfortunate, too, like when bullying happens, like when we talk with adults, because like 
we talk about this like when we're when we're kids like you know like when like johnny the bully at school like why <laughs> like you know like you know we, we're telling our children to stay away from stuff like that and this bullying happens and we're always telling them hey like he must be going or she must be going through something or they must be going through something at home this is why they're acting out on you because they feel they're bigger they're stronger they're intimidating things like that but when you get to the adult world like we're almost all equal in that sense you you won't be going out to fighting someone as you're an adult because you get arrested you can go to jail things <laughs> yes, like that right like yes. there's more ram- ram- ramifications if you do stuff like that and bully like you did in high school right or grade school but the only thing for that is that a lot of that too that i'm seeing where i'm coming from working at the bank is a lot of that's also workplace intimidation mm. and bullying right is using your superiority and your your managerial your executive status it's to hard. bully younger individuals right Reach. and that Yep. And it's like, you, yeah. And it's true though. Cause you feel consumed in that, you know, you're, you're working in that life and you feel like your creativity, your innovation can't be seen. And someone who comes in with this great idea is then, Oh, Nope. That idea is terrible. It's thrown to the ashes because their manager or someone with higher up feels that their idea, you know, isn't worthwhile. And then that's where, you know, again, then that can lead to depression and then that can lead to, you know, adults taking it out on their children, taking it out on their friends and their family. And then there's that whole cycle and that ripple effect that just, continues to go so we talked about the person who is dealing with mental illness yeah. and who may not know it we talked about the friends the loved ones who are there support now you just touched on people who cause people to have mental health illnesses and i think we don't talk about that a lot yeah. we don't realize that it's people who cause it's not just situations it's people who put people into you know into this into this field of mental health conditions. You know, we have to be careful what we do at work, you know, how you treat as a manager when you have position, how you treat people has a lot to do with, it affects their personal lives. Yep. It affects them and how they're able to deal with situations and, you know, their love li- loved ones and stuff like that. And so character is everything. Your character, we don't understand, we don't realize how far your character, the influence of your character can go. It can destroy or it can uplift. Yep. It could build or it could tear down. And if we talked more about that and focus on tr- a transformation of the heart more, we would. it'd be easier to see people broken and be like, you know what, I'm discerning, I'm seeing it. Let me be there for them or let me say something. But we're so consumed in ourselves and wanting to be the head honcho at work and wanting to have the best relationships online. Yep. And we live this like fake life, yep. you know, and then we come crashing down. And the world doesn't need that. The well, world. Well, it's like power, greed, wealth. Like those three things just rule. Power, greed, wealth. Yeah. Yeah. They just, you know, breed in any industry that you can think of. You know, <laughs> any true. society, you know, whether, you know, it's a communist, socialist, capitalism, mm. all those type of hierarchies exist. And it's just people are trying to get to that level. And then when you get there, then all those three things just take over and they start belittling people. And then when you, like, we, like you said, the ripple effect, when you belittle that person, that's going to blow the next person who's going to blow the next person. And it's just a ripple effect. And then now we get this whole thing of mental health related issues that people are, are stemming from this. And it's like, how do we proceed? How do you want me to be a better person if you're going to make me feel bad? Mm. And then now if I'm feeling bad about myself already, and then now you're making me feel bad. <laughs> again, we're going back and forth. That's just that constant cycle. So, My friend was telling me um, a few weeks ago, she's like, I wish we would treat people with kindness and love before we get to know their stories. Wouldn't that be so easy though? And I wish it was. Like I wish not. it could be like the whole the whole 
old story is never judge a book by its cover, mm. right? But we're always judgmental. Like we go outside, we could see someone who with cerebral policy walking down the street looking different and we'll have a judgment about them. Mm. And we don't even know it. And that could be the kindest person in the world. And we have no idea because we already passed judgment on them. So like you said, but it's a, it's a good point what you said. But how do we now ingrain that in people? Is that now in our generation if when we have children or we have kids that we have to use that? Because that's where I think like, that's where our position is, right? Yeah. Is, to, is to is to give this to is to give our knowledge to kids, and we're exactly. still learning, right? At, 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 exactly, we're still life. learning. But the, yeah. it's, a, it's a good point you brought up because life would just be so much easier if we could. And like the things with like COVID going on and the social injustices that we've been seeing of twenty twenty, it's really shaping who the true who that true person is. Mm. And I'm talking about when you see certain individuals, you thought one thing of them. And yeah. now you're seeing other things. It's like, oh, okay, you, that's yeah. that's how you tr- that's how you truly feel. And it's like, oh, I thought we were, you know, thought we were your friends, or I thought we were exactly. stuff like that, right? So it's it's a really it's a real. I'm, I know I'm rambling on there because it's it's what you it's brought real. up is like it's 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 real, and it's just life would be so much easier if we honestly could just treat everyone with some type of respect. But how do we get there? That's the main question. That's what I'm searching for. We try to get there collectively, and that's a hard truth. Yep. The truth of the matter is it starts with you. And we miss that. We trying we trying to change the whole world, the whole community. Yeah. Like, come here, y'all move like this. You do the same beat. But we can't because we're all individuals, you know. So when you do it, it's gonna influence the people closest to you, your girlfriend, your mom, your dad, your parent, or you know, your friends. Yeah. And then they're gonna influence their friends, their coworkers, and it just gets bigger and bigger. And so it really starts with you, your character. You know, I read something that said crisis reveals character. You know, the crisis doesn't mold you. The crisis exposes you, yeah. you know? And so if we did that, maybe we would have a little more compassion towards people who are dealing with such things. Maybe they wouldn't even get to that place because, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So the key here is by eliminating and growing out of the wickedness of our hearts, um, it probably would change the world. Not just a mental illness, but a lot of other things. A lot of poverty, a lot of things. A lot a lot of things would be changed by that. You know? But, so, that, but that's yeah. that's part of it too, sorry. It's okay. just like that's why I do what I do in the sense like my mental health advocacy when you brought that up in the beginning, yeah. is that what I do my sitting here wishing my brother could be alive like one thousand percent. Would I be sitting here and telling the truth saying I would have the same outlook on life if my brother didn't die? No. Like my life wouldn't be the same if he didn't die. I wouldn't have the same empathy, empathy, sympathy for certain situations in life if my brother didn't die. Mm. And I hate saying the silver lining of my brother's death. It's not less. It's not more or less that. It's more or less what how who I've become as an individual, mm. who I've become as a man since that's happened, has allowed me to just share my story, be an advocate, inspire other kids out there who you know, have been depressed, you know, attempted to take their own lives, and you know, have a non-visible disability, things like that. And see that, okay, you can have all those things and still somewhat gain success. And success is different for everyone. Exactly. Like success could just be, you know, going to school, graduating, getting a job, like getting mm-hmm. married. Success, doing your best. Exactly. Doing your best every mm-hmm. day. Getting up and making your bed could be success for some people. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're here to compare. It's more or less that going through those certain things in life, going through trauma, like you said, going through crisis, and now still going out and being successful to that person. Wow. And you tie it up there because I was about to ask you, you know, tell us more about your advocacy. How do you become a mental health advocate for those who are dealing with mental health? You know, people who suffer with cancer usually end up fighting for, you know, and causes for cancer. So how does one become a mental health advocate and what is that? Yeah. So for for me, it honestly came through with 
so four years after my brother passed away, uh, in that process, I was admitted to actually St. Joe's in Hamilton in psychiatric care. I was there for uh, two months. When I came out, I was I lied to everyone about where I was. <laughs> yeah, like what, yeah. you know what I mean. Like yeah. when we were in uh, uh, when we were in high school, it was like where were you? Oh, I had mono, or I was sick. <laughs> Right, like that's I what we said. Yeah, I yeah. was, I was. That's why I was gone for two months. Right, so it wasn't until like four years later. Uh, you know, I'm in grade thirteen at this time, and I just said, like, screw it. You know, I am who I am. This mm-hmm. is who I'm gonna be. This is my story. And I went on Facebook and just poured my heart out. This is what I went through. My brother passed away, suffered depression. I attempted to take my own life. I was admitted into care. All this stuff, and listed my number at the bottom, saying, if anyone else is struggling. Give me a call. Give me a message. Whatever wow. it is. From there, I kid you not, at anonymous phone calls, anonymous text messages, people I did know saying, "Wow, Matt, like that was, I didn't know that. I thought you were just like some reserved kid who just played basketball, went to school, and that was it, right?" Because like, everyone knew my brother died, but they didn't really know who I was outside of that. Because I didn't really tell any people about what what went what went what went down, what happened. So on that. I was just like, okay, you know, I'm going to own this. Like there's other people suffering. There's other kids suffering, yeah. going through depression. And this is like 2012 when I, when I first did this. So eight years ago. And I did not realize that many people were going through similar things that I did. So through there, I just started sharing my story continuously through social media. I got involved with organizations like Bell Let's Talk. Um, you know, right now I'm actually national ambassador for Kids Help Phones, which is pretty cool. I got that I got that uh, partnership through uh, some fundraising that I did, and they actually saw my story in the Hamilton Spectator. Wow! So yeah, I'm doing congratulations! Lo- thank you. So I've been doing a lot of stuff with them over the past year, which has been surreal. Uh, led to me a lot of opportunities with my face in front of other other uh, other kids and other individuals. But like to your point, the easiest way is social media now. Like we can, yeah. I can go on and share my story, mm. and that could inspire someone. Like with hashtags now, or the 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 power of us sharing each other's stories exactly. or posts. Someone that you know that I wouldn't have known could see my story, could see my video, see my post, see my caption, and be inspired and reach out to me or reach out to someone else, reach out to you. Hey, I saw that and. You know, I'm actually not feeling that well. You know, I'm not I'm not doing that well. I'm kind of, you know, in a place where I need some help. And then that it's it's, it's it can be as simple as that. Simple if you're if you're ready for it, right? Like sharing yourself on social media and talking about that to be an advocate isn't for everyone, but you're not trying question. to be a celebrity. You're actually trying to help and inspire. 100%. It's yeah. not a fake life. This no. is real life. Yeah. And, and that's what it's like when you do that, you're open to everything now. Mm. Because me, I all my life's out there. I put, I'm completely open about what I do, what I've been through. And you have to be kind of ready for that too. And you have to be ready for people who are going to look at you differently. Whether, you know, like it, it's going to happen. Wow. We want to thank you like from the bottom of our hearts and you know, the viewers for coming out and you know, pretty much just laying it all out. It's not easy to share your story. Yep. But someone said, you know, you share your story, you free yourself and you free others. 100%. And, um, I remember you sent me a message this week and you're like, you know, we are doing, what is it called? Righteous? It says righteous acts. Yep. You know, and I was like, wow, that's it. Righteous acts. Yep. That's what it's about. It is. And if you can put that little dent into the world, it will, you know, it's like a rock you throw into the lake. Exactly. It expands, you know. Um, and so we want to thank you once again for coming out. We, you know, your story is encouraging and I hope it can uplift someone, you know, millennials, children. Hopefully we can get that percentage of suicide down. And that's that's the key here is to free others from the bondage, the slavery, the prison yep. of darkness. Yeah. No, and again, thank you. Thank you to everyone. I mean, I really appreciate it. And that's one thing too before 
I start rambling again. Is that like that word appreciation? <laughs> like, no, yeah, that word appreciation is like yeah. huge. Like it means a lot to me because I really, when things are stripped from your life that you really appreciate the little things. So for you guys taking the time to be here, you know, set up things that take the time out of your guys' busy day, it's something that I appreciate. And again, I'm honored and privileged to be on here. Thank you so much. God is good. And so we're going to leave you with John 14, verse 22. And Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Those are Jesus' words to you today. He is peace. He gives peace. He gives what money cannot buy. You can't get it in the store. You can't pick it up. You can't work for it. But he says, if you abide in me, if you believe in me, if you just believe, have confidence in me, I will give it to you. And you won't be troubled. You will go through the storm, but you will have peace in the storm. There are many Bible characters who suffered with mental illnesses. Elijah, extreme depression out of fear. You have Jonah, fear and guilt. All these things. But yet in the end, they were victorious. And so if Matt can do it, if Elijah can do it, if Christ did it, you sure can do it. And so it's your girl, Mel Mel, and you're watching I Testify, a conversation station. This is I Testify, and you're listening to the conversation station. Available on all podcast platforms.